How's it going, Suncast listeners? My name is Reagan Harrell, and welcome in to another episode of the Suncast Podcast. We have two awesome individuals on today, two of the best players in the entire Sun Conference. First off, out of Miami Gardens, Florida, we have Mr. Robert Fernandez of the St. Thomas University Bobcats. Talk about his time in Cuba and his time now at St. Thomas. Great interview. And then we have on quite possibly the best pitcher, not only in the NAIA, but one of the most dominant pitchers in the entire country, Rob Adams of the Southeastern Fire. He got lit up in his last outing a little bit against Kaiser. We get into that and we get into his 11 straight starts with 11 wins and only giving up two earned runs before that rough outing. But first... I want to share something really special with you guys, something I've been working on, something I've talked a little bit about in some interviews, an idea that uh, I came up with to highlight baseball in the Sun Conference because, you know, right now that is what I cover the most. Is you know, Baseball is what I love. It's what I enjoy. And I'm blessed to be able to cover a conference that is elite. You know, it's the best. It, it, it's the best in the NAI, and I think it's – down two points, one of the best in the entire country at any division. And so what I decided to do is to do a Suncast podcast, Sun Conference baseball MVP. I whittled it down to four finalists, which was an extremely hard process. I'll talk a little bit about that with Rob Adams later. Uh, but I was able, I, I brought it down to four because I felt like that was a fair number. I guess good. Four finalists is good because now it's up to you. Of these four finals, which I'm about to announce, it is up to you, the fans, to decide who wins. Of the four, there are three universities, very proud universities represented, and I'm really excited to see who turns out and who votes for their guys. I wanted to do four different teams. However, it, that was impossible because Southeastern is Southeastern. Let's be real. It very well could have been three or four guys without Southeastern. It wasn't going to do that, of course. And that's just because the other two guys – they're very well-deserving. So let's go ahead and announce the four gentlemen who are the MVP finalists, starting off with Mr. Rob Adams. Rob is in this episode. He is right after Mr. Robin Fernandez, who is one of the guys that was – he made it to that final cut. Look, Robin was right there. He was about that – he was right around that 7-8 range. It was hard for me to leave him out, but had to bring it down to four. But Rob, I congratulated him, told him about it, told all these guys about it already. He is the first finalist. Joining him from Southeastern is Brian Fuentes, great friend of the program, having a heck of a year. And him and the other, this other finalist, Tim Bouchard, third baseman at Kaiser University, they're battling it out for the RBI and home run record. So they're going to have an excellent matchup. And right behind them in both, Mr. Kenny Rodriguez of Weber International University. Kenny has done it all. He's done it with his glove, his bat. He's been so fun to cover this year. Um, and it's something I want to say, this is not a homer pick at all. Kenny is very well-deserving. I've asked players across who they thought uh, were some of the top guys, and he was consistently brought up. Um, just really happy that Weber has a guy that was in that. Uh, it was right there. It was him and a couple other guys, and he got the last one. And like I love Weber, and Kenny's a heck of a guy. I mean, one of the most genuine guys you can meet, but I'm not going to talk too much more about him because that's, uh, I don't want my bias to get too much into it. So how it's going to work is there will be a poll that will be in that link tree uh, link in my bio. You'll go and you'll vote. The voting will be running for the next few weeks. I'll get a definite date here very shortly of when I will end voting. It'll probably be 
right around the conference tournament. I'll get a for sure date for that uh, very soon. So it's now up for y'all to go and vote. Go vote for the, the person that you think was more, the most deserving to be the MVP. I think I have four very deserving individuals. Um, all guys that I've had the opportunity, uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to talk to. Great guys, four great guys. Uh, I'm going to be extremely happy for whoever wins. They'll be worth it. I mean, is it not worth it? They're, they're very deserving. They're very deserving of it. Um, I congratulated them. I was, I was the guy that picked them. It wasn't just me picking them. I've had a lot of help from uh, baseball players across the Sun Conference and people who have watched. I think I have a solid list. Um, I'm sure some people will feel that they've been snubbed or their guy's been snubbed. Um, you know, please let me know. Let me know the mistake. That, do you feel like I've, I made a mistake? I feel like I got the four best players in the Sun Conference right there, though. Kenny, Tim, Brian, Rob, love all those guys. And I'm just going to be really excited. And they are going to get a nice trophy. There is a very nice trophy on the line for them. I have it made, ordered. It's on the way. The Suncast Podcast, most valuable player. I've made it. I've whittled it down to four. And now it's up to y'all to choose one. And with that, well, hold on. Before we get into Robin, y'all didn't think I was going to forget, man. The best Brazilian food on this side of the Mississippi. El Baron, just keep it short and sweet, already kind of long intro. Look, the empanadas, wonderful. Chicken bowl, the pork bowl. I was telling with our athletic trainer today, Tim, who hasn't tried it. I'm like, brother, you got to go get it. Y'all go get Weber, Warner, Southeastern. Get in your cars. Go there tomorrow or this weekend. Well, I guess um, I'm recording this on Thursday. Okay, yeah, just go get it, dude. Go get it this weekend. I'm telling you, you're required. You're not allowed to listen to the rest of this episode until you're in your car and you're on your way. Then you can start the episode again when you're on your way to my boy Elberon. If you're a little bit further from St. Thomas, Flomo, USCB, you have to wait for an opportunity to come down here. He unfortunately doesn't dry freeze anything and send it up to y'all. But whenever you're playing Weber or Warner, it's a very short distance, especially if you're going up against the Fighting Warriors in Babson Park. Go give Mr. Vaughn a big ola. He'll really appreciate it. All right, and with that, here is St. Thomas's Robin Fernandez. And here we go. All right, guys, now we welcome on a very special guest. We have the first St. Thomas University Bobcat on. It is Mr. Robin Fernandez. Robin, how you doing today, brother? How are you? How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I really appreciate you having on. Now, y'all coming off a little bit of a tough series against Flomo. Huge series this week against Weber. What's the team's mindset and uh, getting it getting over a tough series loss to Flomo against a very good Weber team? Yeah, we just have to get ready mentally and physically to go compete and do our, and play our baseball at Weber so we can, we can try to win the series. And getting in a better position in the conference. Yeah, I'm really excited. So uh, I, I'm the play-by-play for Weber. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to be there the first two games of the series because I got football. We have uh, practice during game one, and then I'm on the uh, – we have our spring game for game two. But game three, I'll be there uh, doing play-by-play and hopefully doing an interview with one of the Weber players after a win on game three. If not, if y'all uh, stop us from winning that one, it'll be a short day for me. But I'm not rooting for that at all. But y'all are a very good team. What is it about the St. Thomas uh, baseball team that's made y'all be one of the top ten teams in the country 
over these past, uh, honestly, past few years, y'all been one of the best programs. Is what is it that keeps y'all up there? Yeah, like we bring a lot of good recruits every year, people uh, that have been competing at a high level. And when we put it all together, we always have good teams. And we energy on the dugout. We are like a family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we we always try to compete our best. Gotcha. Now, something I am very jealous about St. Thomas is y'all's uniform, this rotation. Y'all don't have a bad uniform. I have a personal favor. I want to ask you, what's your favorite uniform to roll out in? My favorite uniform yeah, is that baby blue problem. Got it. Yeah. Absolutely. The baby blue with the curse of Bobcats. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure y'all are not allowed to lose when y'all wear this powder blue uniform. Like, you can't lose. <laughs> You roll out there, it's like, okay, they got to win. I mean, they look too good. They're too clean. No, like, I'm always, I've always been a sucker for powder blue uniforms. Like, I'm not a North Carolina fan or a UCLA fan at all. Uh, definitely not a St. Thomas fan, especially not this weekend. But there's something about those, pa- those baby blue uniforms, dude. They go crazy. So, Robin, you are from Cuba. You're my first uh, Cuban uh, guest. Uh, a little bit of history on the Suncast podcast. Uh, just tell us a little bit um, about Cuba and especially baseball in Cuba and how it's different from baseball in America. Yeah, baseball in Cuba is very different from America because right now we don't have much. We, we don't have many conditions. We don't have many many bats, many gloves. We practice with already messed up baseballs and we just fix them with tape and that's what we practice. But there's a lot of talent in Cuba, especially in the in the little leagues. Every time Cuba went to international events, they, they came out on top, even against USA, against anything. And yeah, there, there's there's a lot of talent, but uh, when people grow older, they start liking baseball because by the time you're 14, 15, you start playing baseball a lot. You just play like 15 games a year. So people start playing baseball and they either they leave the country to go to the Dominican Republic if they can to get drafted. Or they just stop playing baseball and start working. So it's very different. I got you. So um, you said a lot of people from Cuba go to the Dominican Republic to go get drafted. What is it about the Dominican Republic that makes it like a hot spot for people to go to? Yeah, because from the Dominican Republic, you can get signed as a free agent. But since Cuba has the blockade with the United States, uh, nobody can get, can get signed from Cuba. Nobody. So they have to go to the Dominican Republic, Mexico, Colombia, and get drafted. But Dominican Republic is the easiest way. Mm-hmm. So you, when you moved to Cuba, uh, was it seven years ago, six years ago when you uh, came over? Yeah, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Was the, were you speaking <laughs> the language well, or did you have to kind of learn on the fly? No, I didn't want to learn English my first two years. I was against it. Really, I was against it, yeah, because I was I was missing, you know, Cuba, and I wanted to go back, but then I realized that this is this was the best move that my parents did for me. Like they brought me here for a better future, and now is that I really understand that. But I was against learning English. Really? Yeah, uh, but then I understand I had to do it. Was English a difficult? Is it a difficult language to learn? As soon as I, like, I was in a school that there were, my first school here, there weren't many people that speak Spanish. So it was kind of hard because it was just, you know, like a shock. 
But then I transferred to another middle school that I was in my eighth grade, and there was a lot of Spanish speakers, a lot of Cubans, a lot of Venezuelan Dominicans. Mm. So they kind of like, they speak both languages, so they kind of help me more. Because gotcha. I knew what they say in Spanish, and then they helped me what what it mean in English. And then in, in in high school, when I started playing baseball, there like I learned more English because everybody was uh, speaking English and Spanish at the same time. Yeah, I know. I have a tremendous amount of respect for guys that speak two two languages so well, especially if you don't learn it from birth. It's a very hard thing to do. Um, I talked with Brian Fuentes from Southeastern, and he said one of his biggest challenges with the English language was the slang that came with it because like we say stuff that makes no sense did you experience some of that as well yeah of course because you don't know what they mean yeah. when you're learning you just know the basic stuff you don't know like what they're they're talking in the streets like you don't know yeah i got you <laughs> i am actually so when i'm done with school uh coming up here in the next couple of weeks i'm gonna try to take some courses this summer so that I can help, so I can learn Spanish because it's a language I've wanted to learn. It. I have a, I think I have some time this summer where I'll be able to learn it because it, I think baseball, uh, Hispanic players, players from you know Cuba, Venezuela, obviously Dominican Republic, they make the game so much more exciting. You look at guys like Ronald Acuna um, and uh, who who did you say uh, Juan Soto, guys like that. They're guys that are making this game just so much better and so much more exciting, and I want to learn the language. So hopefully when we do an interview, uh, our next interview, uh, I think, you, you still have two more years here, right? It's, it's yeah. Time. So hopefully we can uh, talk a little bit more Spanish next time we do an interview. It's something I really w- want to learn. Um, you know, I've always I've always had uh, some Spanish friends, and sometimes they'll be talking, or I said Hispanic friends that talk Spanish, and they'll get to talking, and I'm just like, Word. Um, yeah, okay. But I, I, really, I do want to be able to carry a conversation in Spanish. But uh, So when you moved here from the U.S., was baseball the sport you knew you wanted to play, or did you have some other sports in mind? Yeah, I always wanted to play baseball. That was the plan. But it's very complicated at the beginning because my dad and my mom, they started a new job. They, we have no car. They couldn't pick me up at school. So I just, I couldn't play baseball for a year and a half. And I started playing volleyball at the middle school. And I actually got the, the MVP in the volleyball tournament okay. or volleyball season, however you want to call it. Right. And we won the, the season. So that was the first sport I actually played. But I played volleyball in Cuba too when I was little. And yeah, I just played any kind of sport. But that was the first one I played. I couldn't play baseball for a year and a half. Gotcha. Um, so with volleyball, is there like anything? Uh, volleyball is kind of like uh, almost exact opposite sport to kind of what baseball is. I'm trying to think of the similarities or anything when you play volleyball that you think helped you with baseball. Oh, for sure. I think when you play a lot of sports, it helps you with your athletic system. And like playing every sport, it helps you with with the with baseball because. You get like reactions and stuff that you you can get playing only baseball. I don't know if you understand. Mm-hmm. Got gotcha. you. Who are some so with volleyball and with that? Um, we translate that into baseball. Who are some guys that you look to with baseball that you like to kind of model your game after? <clears throat> I like to model my game defensively after Manny Machado. 
Okay. And hitting I like one sorrow. He's a lefty and he's vision at the play, he's disciplined. And if you throw it in the zone, he's gonna hit it. I love one sorrow. Uh, I love Manny Machado in defense. Being a huge Brace fan, I appreciate M Manny Machado because he is he's the most disciplined hitter I've ever seen play the game. His knowledge of the strike zone is it's a level above everybody right now. And I mean, there are some guys who you see improve on it year by year when they get to the majors. We got like Soto, it seems like he's always kind of been there when he was a rookie. He's like, oh, this guy, you can't get him on much. But what is it about that, with that approach to the plate? Uh, just how do you go about just looking at pitchers and being able to lay off and getting that knowledge from the strike zone? Is that just repetition or how is that? It's repetition and being disciplined. Don't want to swing at everything the pitcher throws you because the pitcher is there. The pitcher is there to fool you, but you 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 have to try the best to not get fooled. Gotcha. So you have to, and if you swing at pitches in the strike zone, you have a better chance of getting a hit, getting a double, whatever. Gotcha. There's a there's a, obviously <laughs> in the Sun Conference. There's a lot of talent, a lot of good arms. Who are some of the arms you've gone up against in your time at St. Thomas who kind of stand out to you? Uh, the two guys from Southeastern, Gillespie, the Bob uh, Adams and Drew Gillespie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I mean, dude, Adams is disgusting. So I, I'm sure you heard that Kaiser beat Saint or not Saint Thomas. That Kaiser beat Southeastern last weekend. Yeah. I had for on sure. Bouch, I had on Bouchard, and I said, "Look, and Adams will be on this podcast with. He'll be the interview uh, right at. He'll be the first interview, and he'll be the interview right after on this episode." Um, and I think he may be a little upset with me because I was talking with Tim and I said, look, he's everything that he is. I mean, look, Rob Adams is the best pitcher in the country and he's one of the best pitchers, not just in AI, but in the entire country right now on the collegiate level. I said, the best way you're going to have against him is don't swing at his slider and his changeup because a lot of them, they're, they're, they'll be balls. Now, they stay in that strike zone for a while. But, you know, guys like Juan Soto and yourself who take a lot of pride in learning the strike zone and being able to read the pitches, that's what he did very well against Weber when I watched him. And Weber was able to actually get a few runs against Adams. It's just you really have to get him deep into count because he's going to throw that slider and make you chase it because it's disgusting. Like, I think you throw 95% of the hitters outside of the Sun Conference who haven't seen Adams before – I mean, they can't do anything with his slaughter. But if you can get him kind of deeper in counts, maybe get in a 2-1 or 3-1 count, make him throw his fastball, make him throw a strike, then that's when you can have an opportunity. I told Tim that, and I mean, sure enough, they tattooed him. And they, I, I'm not sure if they beat Gillespie or if Gillespie beat them and they picked up the win in the bullpen game. I know they, they beat Adams. So if you do face Southeast and you face Adams in the conference tournament, there's a little – there's my little tidbit of information from you. But let's go ahead and start talking about the conference tournament. The season's starting to wind down, obviously, the big series against Weber. And who's y'all's last uh, series against? Mm -hmm. Who's y'all's last series against? I know y'all have Weber coming up, but who do y'all have next weekend? Yeah, we got Weber coming up and Warner next week. Okay, yeah, we just played uh, – Weber just played Warner this past weekend. We lit them up, dude. They – it was a series Weber had to get two or three, really wanted to sweep, but we tattooed them game one, nine to three, and then 18 to four in game two against Noah Harsh, uh, their lefty. 
And then game three was a hell of a game. Uh, Warner won that one 8-7. So you got two ranked matchups. Uh, you'll find out a lot about yourself coming into the conference tournament. But what's it going to take for the Bobcats to take home the Sun Conference tournament this year? We just have to play our base baseball and compete with everybody. That's the meaning. The guys, the the best pitchers are pitching. Doesn't matter who's pitching, who who are we playing. We just have to try to play our base baseball and our, our baseball, and that best team wins. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, I think y'all are not only one of the best teams in the Sun Conference, but y'all are ranked sixth in the nation. And I think y'all should be ranked higher. I think y'all are top four team. I think y'all are the fourth best team. If I did my my top ten. Um, I think Southeastern still one. I like Wesleyan two, LSU Shreveport three, and then I think y'all are the fourth best team. And I think y'all are gonna make a lot of noise. I think um, y'all will obviously y'all are gonna get a regional, uh, hopefully win that, and then go on to Lewiston in Idaho. And then you don't know why do they. I was wondering why. Why do you think they have the the national tournament in Idaho? Oh, I, I have no idea. I don't really know much about the history of Idaho or anything. I don't. I don't, think, I don't think there is much besides potatoes and the the blue field at Boise State. But <laughs> yeah, we talked a little bit uh, before. One of your favorite sports that you liked outside of baseball was soccer. Obviously, I have my Barcelona jersey here. I love soccer too. Was it? What is it about soccer that you have so much love for the sport for? Uh, in Cuba, I just watch a lot of soccer on on the weekends with my friends. And after the, I was done with practice baseball, I used to play soccer in the park in front of my house since I was little with my with my friends from childhood. And that's that's a sport I, I like to watch when I'm free. I don't I don't like watching baseball after I just done practicing baseball. In baseball, I just watch kind of the highlights of the games right. and the playoffs, obviously, but. In soccer, I just can't sit there on a Sunday and just watch soccer from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., being there watching two, three games. Yeah, do you have certain leagues that you follow? Uh, La Liga in Spain and the Premier League. Yeah, I was watching uh, who was that? Manchester United and Liverpool. Liverpool smacked them yesterday. It was fun. Yeah, Liverpool is a great team. Yeah, that's, a, that's been a really, really fun title race this year in the EPL. I think uh, – I'm pretty sure Liverpool took a two-point lead on Man City yesterday, but Man City's got a game in hand. So, it's it's them, those two. I look, bro, I think the regular season in soccer, in European soccer, is so fun. It's like there's no – you can't, like, just take a break. You can't drop a couple games and be like, oh, okay, we'll just drop a couple points in the standings. We still have playoff. No, you got to go out there and compete and win every week. I also really like the relegation – promotion part of soccer um something i hope we have in the mls soon but for those who don't know relegation is like you take the bottom three teams in the league so i guess you'd say like let's say we did like uh did kind of something like that in the sun conference theoretically take the bottom three teams i'm not sure who the bottom three teams off the top of my mind um i know these aren't the bottom three teams so i can't piss anybody else let's say the bottom three teams were weber st thomas and southeastern uh, that'd be a that'd be a random ass good lord that'd be wild Anyway, if you take those three and drop them down to like the a lower conference, and then in that lower conference, whoever the top three teams are, they would be promoted into the Sun Conference. That's kind of how it works. But um, speaking of the Sun Conference, what can you speak on, Robin, about the competition level and the competitiveness and how good everybody is in the Sun Conference? Yeah, uh, we were talking about it before. 
everybody's good in, in some conference. Even the, the teams on the bottom, they can come and take you one or two games, even. So you have to come ready to play every day and try to beat everybody because everybody can beat you. You know, nobody's invincible, so everybody can can take a game or two in the Sun Conference. Yeah, I mean, it just happened with y'all. I mean, y'all are ranked se- second in the Sun Conference, and Florida Memorial came in. I think they're uh, third from the bottom or second from the bottom in the standings right now, and they took two or three from y'all, uh, top ten team nationally. It just goes to show this is the best conference in the NAI. I say I've gotten to the point where I've said it in every interview, and I'm just gonna keep saying it because when something's right, you can keep saying it, and I'm. I've been very vocal about that since the beginning of the podcast, um, and I'm going to stick with it. And if there's anybody that would like to argue that, I'm more than welcome to have anybody. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about St. Thomas. You're the first uh, guy, your first Bobcat from Miami Gardens that we've had on. What is it about St. Thomas that makes it such an awesome university, dude? The diversity. There's a lot of diversity in St. Thomas. You can see people for from all around the world, from Europe, from the Caribbean, uh, Spanish speakers. Uh, yeah, you can see a lot of people, different people from St. Thomas. And the place, you know, you see Miami, everybody wants to come to Miami at some point. Yeah, I was actually, I can't, went to Miami, it was like, I don't know, a week after I moved here in July, my buddy flew down from Colorado, we went to a Marlins game, picked him up down there, we went to this little hole in the wall, and I mean hole in the wall, I'm talking way back. It was like in the back rows of Miami. I'm like, dude, I think we might be lost. I don't know where we were, but we found this little restaurant we went in. And it's another reason why I want, want to talk Spanish, because I went in there, nobody spoke English, nothing. I mean, there was no, like, there was no, like, me talking slow, there was nothing. All it was was we had, him and I, we went in there, and we just kind of pointed at what we wanted, and they got it for us. And... It came in a little to-go box, and it was a big, big uh, portion of this, like, rice that had a bunch of vegetables in it and everything. is yellow rice with vegetables and everything. Amazing. And then we had a big old juicy chicken thigh. And then maybe you can help me with this, because I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a Cuban place. Um, there were these little fried things. They were kind of – they were almost like you took um, – some sort of grain, maybe like a couscous or a rice or something, maybe even like a bread. You know what a hush puppy is? Have you heard of a hush puppy? It's kind of a southern food. That no, I really don't know what a hush puppy okay. is. Well, it's, so it kind of reminded me of that, but the food it was, it was kind of like a grain almost, and they took it and put it in a ball and they fried it. You know what I'm talking about? From the top of my mind, no, I don't know. I really I'm not sure what it was. But we got all that food, and it was like six bucks. The best food, some of the best food I've ever had, dude. I mean, the best uh, Hispanic food that I've had, and that's not including El Baron, who's our sponsor. Robin, I'm not sure if you know, but El Baron, he's a Brazilian guy that cooks right out, right by Weber. He's the sponsor of the podcast. That's the best Brazilian food I've ever had. But that right there, that's the best Cuban food or any like Spanish food that I've had mm-hmm. in my life. I guess Brazilian yeah. food is technically like Portuguese. I don't know. Like, but anyways. There's a lot of a lot of Latin restaurants around. In every corner you can you can find Latin food. So have you had American like American barbecue before? Yeah, I play this summer in Tennessee. Oh okay. Um, yeah good barbecue in Tennessee. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about your time in Tennessee because Tennessee is a little bit different than Miami. Yeah, way different. <laughs> but in Tennessee, you can see more of the of the nature. Mm-hmm. It's more a quiet play. I actually played with Drew Gillespie in the same team. Okay. Over there in the league. We got to know each other over there. But, yeah, Tennessee is kind of more quiet, more more relaxed. At least in the part I was in, you can see more more nature, more rivers. You see, it was uh, it was nice. What what part of Tennessee were you in? Do you remember? Uh, Elizabethan. I'm sorry. It was called Elizabethan. Okay. Do you know? Uh, oh man, I'm trying to. Do you know like how far that was? Maybe from like Nashville? Because I, I haven't heard of that before. No, it was like 30 minutes from Johnson City. That's what, that's all I know. Oh, okay. Okay. So were you able to like kind of see the Smoky Mountains and stuff there? Nah, not really because we only had. Uh, Mondays off. We used to play every day, only Mondays off. Oh, wow. But I did went to like to a lagoon in the middle of the of the on the mountains. But I, I don't I don't really know where it was. I got you. So when so I lived in Missouri for a couple. Years. I played football in Missouri for a year and a half before I transferred to Weber. And on the route, I'm from I'm from like South Georgia, pretty close to the Florida line. We'd have to when we drove, you had to go through the the Smoky Mountains. North Georgia and Tennessee and stuff. Think about that. It's a lot of like up and down hills. And when you're driving down there, you have to be really careful because you'll you, you'll ride your brakes like this constant. I mean, you'll just go for like miles. You'll just go downhill, a downhill slope. And you'll wear, wear your brake pads out. And they have these huge, long kind of runways of just gravel road because what will happen is you'll wear your brake pad completely out. If you kind of have one that's kind of worn out already and you're going downhill and you're trying to ride it, and there have been times where people's brakes just go out and they have to just go off to the side of the road and they literally just go until they kind of crash. I mean, it's a it's 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 scary. Driving there is scary. We actually, my last time driving back, right after I left Lincoln, my girlfriend and I were driving back down to Georgia and this semi crashed into the mountain. Whole thing was on fire, burned. It was just like a, completely black charged semi truck it was some of the scariest scariest thing i ever seen i was like dude if i was in my jeep and i did that it'd be over with but uh, yeah I mean, obviously miami gardens is a beautiful place uh, i love miami uh i've been a couple times last time i went was uh like i said to go to the marlins game you been to a marlins game yet yeah i've been to a couple marlins games i love going to marlins games because they're cheap they play like 17 bucks and we were in the 20th row and we moved we we're right behind the Padres dugout we uh we got to see Tatis play he wasn't in the starting line I was so upset we were able to get these awesome tickets uh dirt uh, and we were like right behind the third base dugout and he didn't play wasn't in the starting lineup but he came in in the ninth inning to pinch hit and dude he hit one and I was like it's gone it's gone. And at the, the right fielder had his back up against the wall and caught it. And I was like, oh, my God. So, um, I, I mean, that's one of, that was a very fun experience. A beautiful ballpark there. Not really many fans. Marlins don't really have a ton of fans coming to the games. But I think they'll be a pretty good team shortly. So, tell me a little bit uh, or a couple of your favorite memories from the season or just your career at St. Thomas so far. Mm, yeah, just like – <clears throat> just playing every day with 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 my friends, my boys, and going out to compete. That that's about 
my favorite every day because I try to enjoy every day because today is not never gonna happen again. So I just try to enjoy every day, take it day by day, and we're looking we're looking forward to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Was uh, what what was the goal coming into the season? Excuse me, the season for y'all was it to get to a regional, get to nationals, or win the national championship? What what was y'all's ultimate goal? The goal for San Thomas, I think, for years has been trying to win that national championship because I think as a program we have been going to a national championship like quite often, but we 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 haven't won it yet. So that 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 that's the goal this year. I got you. I, mean, I think that y'all definitely have the opportunity, the talent this year. Um, I, I'm really excited to see all the Sun Conference teams. Once the tournament's over, I can obviously I'm gonna be focused on Weber. Cross my fingers there in a regional. But I'm going to become a much more of a fan because obviously right now I'm just rooting for the best possible outcome for, for Weber. Um, that's just how it is. I want everybody to succeed and get into the regional. Once it gets to the regional, I'll be really excited being able to cover everybody because then I can cheer for Southeastern in their regional, cheer for St. Thomas in their regional. And I think, dude, when, we, when it gets to regional play, I think the Sun Conference is going to wipe the floor. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams that got in a regional that are going to win their regional and be – in the, I, 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 I would honestly be shocked if when we get into the national tournament, if there's any conference that has more teams in the Sun Conference. It's just the Sun Conference is that deep. Obviously, it matters how many teams get into a regional. I think right now four teams uh, will likely be there, possibly five. That's what I – I think there should be five teams. I think it should be uh, – y'all in, in Southeastern, y'all are most likely in there. I think Warner and Weber and then Kaiser are five teams that should be in the regional. I think those are five of the top 32 teams, and they should be in. However, you could have a team like USCB or Flomo that comes in the tournament, and they win the tournament, and that throws everything off. And it can happen. It's happened before. Um, It's very possible. But, uh, Robin, that's all the questions I got for you, brother. If you have anything for me, you can fire away. I'm good. I'm good. I don't have anything for you. But thank you for inviting me, and I, I appreciate what you're doing here for for the Sun Conference and actually for the NIA entirely, especially the Sun Conference. But we're, you're kind of putting us in the map because nobody takes very much recognition about us. No, yeah, I mean, it's something that I noticed when I came here. You know, I didn't really have any knowledge of the NAIA coming from a Division II program. I was like, I don't really know how good this is. I learned very fast on the football side that it is – on the level of a Division II program, and you look now. I've really just seen Sun Conference baseball for the most most part, but Sun Conference baseball is it, it's a very high Division II level comp, very high Division II. I think the Sun Conference you just picked up the Sun Conference and dropped it in Division II. I still think it would be one of the best divisions in Division II, and even in oh. Division One, I, I think it'd be better than quite a few Division One conferences. I mean, it's just that's the talent in the NAIA and in the Sun Conference. Um, now I've been on my soapbox about it before, and there's an image problem in the NAIA, and the Sun Conference is a leading conference, and they're a power conference, especially with baseball and football, which are the quote-unquote two biggest sports right now um, in the U.S. Co- collegiate-wise. Basketball, too. Um, but, but the Sun Conference really shines in, obviously, baseball and in football. And, dude, I just felt like there needed to be a platform where the top athletes could come on. Now, if I was just on here still talking stats like the first few episodes, I don't think 
this podcast would have grown the way it has. You know, it's guys like you and Bouchard and my boys at Weber and Rob Adams and Fuentes, the best players, and you know, Kayla Swenson playing softball. When we get next year, when we start covering football, I hope the trend happens. You know, it's it's not like I'm getting guys on here who I want to be careful how it works. I was like, I'm getting guys on here who are the leaders of this conference, who have been open or been very happy. So, you know, yes, I'm on here and I'm inviting you guys on, but it's you guys coming on and talking about and getting your universities out there. You know, like Noah Harsh was the first Warner guy on. You're the first St. Thomas guy. And getting your universities out there, I think it's a huge thing. And I'm really excited to see where this podcast grows. I hope it continues to get bigger. I hope it gets to the point where recruits will see it and maybe they see the talent level, especially in the Sun Conference, is elite. And it's better than, say, a Division II program that they're looking at or an NAIA program outside. And eventually we can start getting guys who, you know, maybe they're a guy from, you know, like Tennessee or kind of somewhere here in the South, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, well, Georgia does have Thomas. I'm thinking of teams that don't have baseball teams in the Sun Conference in the South. Anyways, get them on, and they or not, yeah, the moment have them listen, and they'll hear an interview from a guy like you. They'll hear an interview from these top players in the Sun Conference, and it's like, well, if they're saying this is one of the best conferences, I mean, what do they have to lie about? And they're not going to lie, and all of them aren't going to lie. And you know, everybody that I've had on has pretty well agree with me baseball-wise, this is the best conference. And then uh, I hope that's where it gets. I hope it gets to the point where we get the image of NAIA and the Sun Conference to a higher level. And that's my ultimate goal. I think that would be my kind of, Are you an Avengers fan? You, you're a Marvel fan? You watch Marvel movies at all? Nah, not really. Well, well there's a scene at the end of Infinity War that people who do, this is for the audience, y'all understand, there's a scene where at the very end when Thanos kind of sits down and he's looking over kind of like my uh, destiny fulfilled. I think that's the destiny of this podcast. I think it's to get the Sun Conference to a top level. Um, You're doing a great job. Keep it going. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. And I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody. Um, I'm going to say good luck this weekend. I hope you do good. I hope the rest of the lineup doesn't really get a hit. And I hope Weber's able to beat y'all this weekend. (laughs) Good luck. I will see you there. Uh, And that'll do it for this interview with Robert Fernandez. And here is Southeastern's Rob Adams. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. (sighs) No, it's not. It gets the people going. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome on a very special guest. He may not admit it, but I'll go ahead and tell you flat out, he's the best pitcher in the whole country. It's Mr. Rob Adams of the Southeastern Fire. Rob, how you doing, brother man? Good, man. How are you? Good. Y'all boys just touched down. And Miami, big series against Flomo. They're a very scrappy team. You know, uh, they just took two or three from the number 18. I believe they're number eight in the country. Um, I need to check the polls. I'm pretty sure that's where they landed at, St. Thomas. So they're hot. They're right there on that bubble fighting with teams like Weber and Warner. Uh, what's the team's mindset, and what's it going to take for y'all to go and get three huge wins after a tough low outing against Kaiser last weekend? You know, we uh... – we took last weekend and focused on practice. You know, we, we really took it. The mindset in practice this week was just work as hard as anybody else in the country, work harder than anybody else in the country. You know, we're, we're number one for a reason. You know, we have the talent, we have the, the tools to win, to be successful. We just have to practice it. And, you know, we, we worked really hard in practice this week and worked on the little things that we, 
you know, messed up last weekend, and we're looking to come out and capitalize and dominate this week, you know, like we've shown in the past. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough little slacking. Um, you know, it's baseball. It's bound to happen. You know, even in the majors, the best team can go and lose uh, anybody. I'm sure in Pittsburgh can go and take two or three from the best team in baseball, which is the Atlanta Braves, of course. Um, no, no disrespect to the Pirates. I, I feel like the Pirates might be the worst team. They're down – them and the D-backs, they both, they're rough. But, um, no, I mean, the Kaiser's a really good team, a really talented lineup. Uh, I told you before, and and I kind of feel a little bad now that I'm interviewing you now, uh, kind of gave the, boy, the boys a little tip to lay off the slider. You got a better chance of just getting a walk than hitting it, and – I don't want to expect them to hit it, but they they, they, they lit you up a little bit. Just kind of um, don't want to dwell too much on it. Just kind of, kind of tell us what happened against Kaiser, dude. You know, it was uh, it was just one of those days. You know, mm-hmm. people face them, you know, like you said, in the big leagues every day. Uh, you know, you roll out there, you don't have your best stuff, and, you know, you give up those hits, and you can't pitch out of those, you know, runners in scoring position with less than two out scenarios you know it's just stuff like that where the little dribbler falls it squirts through the hole you yeah. know and that's what happened and you know those days are gonna happen and you know it's how we come back from those days on you know how we you know i guess that's kind of how our character is shown yeah and you said you said a minute ago um just getting back to what y'all were before the kaiser series i believe you are 39 and one and you had a point two six ERA. Y'all's numbers have gone all up. You have a point five six. I think. Oh, actually, uh, I'm not. I think y'all forty and three now. Y'all just picked up a couple wins. Either way, and now your your ERA is y'all from point two six to point five six. I mean, you kind of suck, dude. Not, not gonna lie. No, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. But uh, no, but I feel like it's good for a team like y'all who have had nothing but success throughout this year to. I'm not really to be humbled, but, you know, have a series where it's like y'all are human. It's like, okay, this Southeastern team, they, they can be beat. And it's something that hasn't really happened much this year, obviously. But how, how has it been just you know, being the number one team? Has it felt like it's been a huge target on your back, a little pressure? Just how has it been, man? You know, I mean, we just – like I've, I've said before, it's a, we, it's a day-to-day thing. I mean, yeah. we don't look ahead too much. You know, we, we show up that day, we go to work that day. When we leave, we focus on the next day. And it, you know, it doesn't matter who's in the dugout across from us or, you know, what we're working on at practice that day. You know, I mean, we just try to sit down and buckle down and focus on that day. It's That mentality has worked for us so far. And that's kind of what we're just doing rolling into the rest of the season and postseason. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, this has been absolutely no mistake this year. I mean, y'all are looking to do something that's extremely hard to do and extremely rare, and that's go coast to coast, start the year number one, and finish the year number one. What is it about Southeastern that makes y'all such a dominant program? Yeah, I'd say probably the answer to that question is the coaching staff. I mean, we got the, you know, I think one of the best head coaches in the country, you know, leading us, and and his staff is second to none, in my opinion. They, Mm -hmm show up and, and they work harder than anybody else and they you know go over the top in everything they do and that's the reason that you know we get to be put in a position to be successful every time we step out on the field yeah absolutely dude i mean y'all do have an awesome coaching staff um i'm sorry who's y'all's head, head coach again it's, it's slipping from me right now adrian dinkle dinkle yeah i had the pleasure of meeting him one time it was when i did my first interview at Southeastern. It wasn't with Fuentes. It was actually with Coach Tim Hayes. Uh, he's the women's basketball coach there. 
Uh, he was very gracious. He, we reached out and we were able to get an awesome interview with him. And uh, I was looking, I walked through, I just kind of found my way in uh, Coach Dingle's office. We talked for a little second. I saw him, I'm like, well, you're not the basketball coach. Are you the baseball coach? And we talked for a second. Really cool guy, cool, cool moment. Um, but let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, how did you end up at Southeastern? Um, so I was at Santa Fe College in Gainesville last year, and uh, that was – it was kind of my last year. I was graduating and uh, got a call one day, and I didn't have a whole lot of, you know, action going on. Not many people were calling, and uh, coach came up to me and said, hey, man, you're going to get a phone call after practice. I said, all right. And it was Mike Mendoza from Southeastern, and he called me and, you know, told me they were interested. And uh, rest is history. Rest is history, you know. I find that crazy, you know, a guy like you that's had so much success, you obviously have the stuff, and it didn't just appear when you arrived in Lakeland. I mean, your your slider is second to none anything that I've seen and on the collegiate level this year. I watch I don't watch a ton of college baseball, but w- what is it about your slider that makes it just, just – I mean, when I say, it, it, sometimes when I'm in the booth, when I'm doing play-by-play, I'll be up there and I'm like, I could probably hit that or I could probably lay off of that. And then I got to call you, y'all the the game you pitched against Weber, and some of your sliders. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I, no like I, I'll humble myself right now. I'll be like, dude, that ain't no way. I think you throw that thing to me about 50 times. That and um, X's fastball, and then Martin's changeup. Those are the three, the two guys from Weber. Those three pitches are like, if I ever see that, I'm pretty sure I can see it a hundred times in a row. Ain't no way. But is that your slider just something that you've always had or just something you kind of gained over the years? You know, I, I picked it up uh, when I came back from an injury in high school and just kind of fiddled with it and played with it and changed grips and arm angles and, you know, hand positioning. And it turned into what it is now, you know, five years later, six years later. But, I mean, it's – taking a lot of time and practice to get it to where it is now yeah dude, I mean, it's a hell of a pitch i mean it, it reminds me um i'm forgetting of the guy's name damn it kershaw kershaw um of the dodgers it's kind of like his it, it has that it's a breaking ball kind of similar to max freed's too his is a curveball but it's one of those pitches that stands out from everybody else's max freed's curveball i mean you've seen it uh it goes up and just kind of slants down. It's one of those that's just like, that's better than everybody else. And that's how your slider is. Um, but y- y'all have been a very successful team so far. But let's talk a little bit more about kind of like the future for Southeastern. It, y'all had a tough break last year. Uh, I don't th- you, you weren't there, but tough break. You didn't quite make it all the way. What is it going to take? And you know, obviously you talked about the day-to-day, but what are the – little thing that you guys have been focusing on to go ahead and bring that national championship back to Lakeland? Um, you know, we don't, we don't talk about it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Smart but I mean, it's kind of like just those unwritten rules, you know, you make the routine plays, you know, when it's hit to you, you know, you feel the baseball, you play catch, yeah. you know, we, as a pitching staff, we want to live in or around the zone at all times. I mean, you know, this. Just the, those small things like that. And, you know, when you do all those little things right, you tend to come out on top most of the time. And, I, you know, if we do that consistently, I th- think that's what it's going to take, you know, to go to make a run at a national championship or, or something along those lines, you know. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's something I've talked about a ton on this podcast. And of course, I want to talk about it with you. This is the best conference in the, in the, in the nation. It's not even a doubt. And every time I talk about it, I like taking it a step further. It's been, I think it's one of the best in the entire country at any level. And I might take it a step further. I think it's the best conference in the NAIA period in any athletics. I think it's the more I look at it and the more numbers I look at it, other ones, I think it truly is. Um, the Kansas something something football one is really good. That's that's a fall episode, anyways. Um, but the Sun Conference is elite. So you face a lot a lot of lineups. Obviously, Kaiser lit you up a little bit. What were who are some of the guys that you faced this year that stood out to you and lineups also? You know. Um... I always go back to when people ask me, you know, what's the best if I if the question gets brought up on what's the best lineup I've faced this year. And before Kaiser last weekend, it was Reinhardt. You know, that was the first team. They scored the first runoff of me on the year, you know, and it was they were at the time I thought one through nine pretty solid. You know, they had a couple of good guys at the top of their lineup. They you know, if they got the ball rolling, they were, you know, had the opportunity for a big inning. And uh yeah. <clears throat> And then, you know, I faced Kaiser, which with, you know, Dennison at short. Then you got Bouchard at third. You know, you got to deal with both of those guys at the top of the lineup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're both really good hitters. Um, you know, St. Thomas had some really good hitters, which, granted, I had my stuff that day. So, I mean, <laughs> the, the game doesn't show how, how some of their hitters' approaches were, you know, how yeah. their, you know, at-bats went. Um but there's, you know, every team that we've played has had those few key guys at the top of the lineup that, you know, pose a threat in those innings, you know. And if you make those mistakes, they're going to make you pay. And there's And, you know, when you face a Weber or a St. Thomas or even a Kaiser like we saw last weekend, you know, there's guys in these lineups at the bottom of the lineup even that if you make a mistake, they're going to make you pay too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just kind of an incentive as a pitcher to just not make those mistakes, you know. Be conscious with yourself about making the pitch you need to make, and you know that way you get these guys, those guys out. Yeah, absolutely, do. Um, so, think about Reinhardt, and you said it's funny. You said that, you know Weber played them earlier in the year, and they went up to Alabama, and we dominated up there, dude. That that series was when I watched that series, I was like, oh, I'm 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 calling games for a contender here. Um, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to listen to some of the earlier episodes and something I'm, I'm still sticking with. So I'm sticking with my boys. I, I, I like them. I, I have you guys and them going into the conference tournament one, two. Don't know if that's going to happen now. I think y'all got the one part of uh, Weber. I think Weber will get up to probably the four or three seed. Either way, I had them winning the conference over y'all. I'm still cross my fingers hoping for it. But um, it's really interesting to say, I guess, a Reinhardt team. That's in a good conference as well. They just beat uh, Wesleyan and GGC in the past couple of weeks. But um, all right, we had a pause there. I've uh, had a couple of beverages tonight, some water, hydrating, of course. Um, I had to take a little little podcaster break. Anyways, <laughs> back to you, Rob. Um, you know, being a great pitcher that you are, I'm sure it helps knowing even if you have make a couple of mistakes, which you have made a lot of uh, this year having the lineup that you have. Can you just talk about some of the guys in the lineup that have made your life a hell of a lot easier this season? Well, I mean, we're going, we could talk for a minute if we want to go through that. Brother, we got, I think we got as much time as you, as you want to give us. 
because man, one through nine, our guys, I, I don't think there's a hole in our lineup. Nope. Um, you no, know, you got. They've been switching it around a little bit, but you know, we got Guadalupe that hits lead off most of the time. He's one of the best baseball players that I've ever played with, mm-hmm. ever. I mean, the guy just he gets the game in ways that most people will never understand it. Um, then you got, you know, Isaac Nunez, shortstop, batting second sometimes. Um, very extremely talented kid. Like, not many people beat him in the box. And then you got Gary Lord, Brian Fuentes, Stephen Cullen. These are all three guys right here that are just, at any given moment, could hit a ball 700 feet. Yeah. At all you know, them. and then you got Luis Cabrera. Another guy, major power at any moment, backside, all fields. doesn't matter. You know, he's one through nine. Our guy, it's just, I could talk for hours on it. I can't remember. I'm sorry, I mean, but I can't remember the guy's name. But he came off the bench against us, and I don't know if it was a game you started or Drew started and hit that home run late. Who was that? Maya. Who? Adrian Maya. Adrian Maya. Just go ahead and tell him he about made me throw up in the booth. Um, and then Brian decided to just kick me in the balls one more time <laughs> with that solo shot. <laughs> but uh, I, I interviewed Brian earlier this year, and that was awesome. We did it right outside. It was a beautiful day in Lakeland. Made the drive up. We did it right outside y'all stadium. Uh, but y'all got a hell of a team, dude. And yeah, I told you, I told you a while back when we were messaging. That I, I did that you were one of the, my player of the year finalists, and we're the fan vote will take care of that and who it be. I'll be really honest; it very well could have been four guys from Southeastern. I mean, seriously, could have been you, Drew, um, obviously Brian, and then Gary, and then Guadalupe. It, but I was like, right, I'm, I'm gonna try to pick the two best guys in this, and I the so I have. Uh, Bouchard and Fuente and you, they, y'all two were in. Y'all had an auto bid. And then I really dug into the stats on it. And, dude, picking between Brian, Guadalupe, and Laura, I, about had, I, had, I was drinking Pepto-Bismol trying to, <laughs> trying to keep my heart so It's like, oh, my God, I don't know who. But it, the, I ended up going with Brian uh, just because what he's – not only just what he's done this year, but what he's done in conference play has been so impressive. But the other game that we played against, I think this is the game that you started. Um, when Guadalupe hit that home run, I was looking down at my notes, and I heard it, and I just said, and that's a high fly ball, left center field. We're not getting that one. Dude, that, that's, the, that's the furthest ball I've seen hit this year. I've seen some hit really, really, really hard. I've seen uh, – that's a weird notification pull up. My bad. Um, I've seen uh, a lot of Weber guys. Kenny's hit hit them up very far. Chris Williams earlier that game hit one just about as far. Um, what's his name? Uh, Woosley, first baseman for Warner. He hit one. So you know when uh, at Weber, you know them trees out in the right field hit one <laughs> over them some bitches. Yeah, I was like, God, Lee. We ended up winning that game, though. Huge series win for Weber last weekend against Warner, by the way. Uh, hopefully we can keep it rolling against St. Thomas. I think y'all have clinched – I don't know if y'all have clinched the one seed or mm, not. Not yet. Not we yet. Have, we have to win two of – Two or three. Win more, I think. Yeah, I think – yeah, something like that. Y'all 
most likely get. But we're gonna try to we'll try to take care of the Bobcats for you this weekend. So unfortunately, I can't call the games. Uh, I only call game three because I have practice and our spring games at the same time as the St. Thomas game. So hopefully, if we win game two, I'll go straight from the locker room, uh, put on my button down and tuck it in and go do an interview. But all right, who's player of the game? <laughs> and, and go there. But um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit outside of baseball. Uh, we talked earlier, big fisherman. You told me the snook story. Uh, let's go ahead and tell them about that and some of your other favorite uh, fishing memories you got. Um, so, yeah, I'm from Arcadia, and it's inland, not anywhere really close to the coast, about 30, 45 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. from the coast in any direction. Or if you go west, we're a good ways from the east coast. But then Peace River just happens to run right through the middle of Arcadia, there just so happened to be snook in there. Yeah. And I, uh, that's one of my hobbies is snook fishing. So I go down the river every now and then. Used to go a lot more when I had a boat, but I was there one afternoon and took the old lady down to the snook spot so she could <laughs> catch her first one. We caught, got into a good mess of them. Yeah. Then there was the big one, you know, and we caught a, I caught a 40 inch female. Damn. And she weighed like 23 and a half pounds. And she was massive. I'll send you a picture of it whenever yeah. we get done send, with this. Send me, but. send me that picture. And um, as the audience knows, it follow the Instagram. If you're not following the Instagram, go follow it. Um, all the pictures I posted when I have these awesome guests on to do interviews, it's always a baseball or tennis or no, not tennis, uh, softball or whatever. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get a tennis player on, by the way. That's a, something for another day. He told me that story, and I'm said, I said, screw a baseball player. Everybody knows you, you're good at baseball and play baseball. Let's show you how good of a fisherman you are. You said something just a second ago that, that interests me. So I snook fish a fair amount, not a ton, Georgia boy. I, you know, I, down here, I can do it when I can. But uh, how do you know it was a female? How did you figure that one out? So snook are weird, man. They're all born males. Okay. When, when a snook's born, it's a male. And that's the reason they have the slot set at what it is. You know, it's, I think, on the West Coast, it's 29 inches to 32 inches mm-hmm. in most places. Um, and because that's kind of the the age point, once they get to that length, that's kind of the age where they, they change genders. And they turn to female once they get that so big. And those are what we all call the big spawners. <clears throat> You cut, like you, a big cut, you cut out bat for bass, largemouth. You know, you cut out there for just a second. What do you call the big females? Uh, just the big breeders. You know, big, your big spawners. They big just—it's like a big bass. You know? Right. Um, and that's why we don't keep the big ones. You're not supposed to keep the big ones. Hopefully, nobody does. But you yeah, never know yeah. about all that. You you eat snook? Oh yes. Really? I, I've yeah. tried it once. It's okay. I, I love redfish. 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 All right, now, all right, now let's go. Let's go a little. All right, power rank them. Which one you rather catch? I'm gonna go a little bit bigger because Florida bass are, little, are bigger than any bass. So let's go. 13 pound bass, largemouth. Let's go 42 inch snook. And let's go. Let's go 40 inch. What are we saying? 42 inch bullhead red. Power rank. Red. Power rank them. All the way. I've caught a 40 inch snook. 13-pound bass. You done done it all, son. I should have got bigger measure, measurements. This country boy done done it all, man. 
<laughs> I've got a bit, I've caught a big redfish, but I haven't got a forty yet. So that's that's the next one on the bucket list. I'm going uh, this summer. One of my good friends, Chandler Kerr. Shout out Kerr. Um, he's up in Duval, Jacksonville. He plays football. He has got some nasty spots up there for some huge reds. I'm hoping to get on some big old boys up there, dude. Oh, yeah. There's some big ones on the East Coast, man. They get bigger over there for some reason. I reckon something about that, that East Coast, dude. But um, so outside outside of that, and you, you are coming into a – so Rob, yeah, you have some nasty stuff. Who are some guys in the big leagues you kind of look up to and uh, you kind of model your game after? Um, you know, I try to model kind of my stuff, my approach to pitching, to the way Tom Glavin used to throw back in the mm-hmm. day. You know, old guy. Okay, he okay. He didn't. Uh, he didn't overpower anybody. You know, I mean, he, he just kind of pitched around. I, I watched an interview of him. And with his Hall of Fame introduction, and it was, he said that his time, or he was talking about the new era of baseball, and he said that in his era, he had he learned to pitch to get outs inside the strike zone, and then today's era, you know, guys are, are learning to get guys out outside of the strike zone. Yeah, hundred mile hour fastballs and big breaking curveballs. Exactly, you know, and I don't, I wouldn't say that I do one or the other i try to do a little bit of both i guess but i try to model it off of you know getting guys out with my stuff changing speeds adding and subtracting and getting guys out in the zone more than out of the zone um that brings on that look that tom glavin just bringing up any of those 90s braves um him avery smoltz maddox uh that's the greatest rotation of all time are you at the wall it hurts me a little yeah, I mean, and I want to talk to you. I mean, I know you know, but if anybody, if anybody want to bring up a better rotation, please bring it up in those uh, early to mid-90 Braves. It always just breaks my heart just thinking about, well, one, I never got to see that growing up, but I don't think we'll ever see that again, dude. I don't think we're ever going to see a pitching rotation that deep and that good, just the way the game's changing. Um, I'm not going to say that's a good thing or a bad thing. It just sucks. And also that being a Braves, I'm a huge Braves fan. Um, another thing that sucks is it's crazy to think that starting rotation with a good lineup uh, in the 90s only won one World Series. A lot of pennants. Um, yeah. Let's say we lost 93 to the Jays, uh, 96, I think, to the Twins. No, 96 was a lockout. I know it, one year we lost to the Twins. I think 94 we lost to the Twins. And then 99 – Maybe I may. I will say Yankees a couple of times. So, yeah. Look, I did this with uh, uh, Noah Harsh, a lefty for freshman who he reminds me of you, honestly. He's a lefty freshman for Warner. Before Weber, he had a 1.26 ERA, and Weber lit him up, dude. They put 11 on him. But, anyways, I talked to him before. Look, I'm a huge baseball fan, never been much good at it, but I'm not going to do it here because they've already heard the. Audience have heard, have heard me do it before, but I can name every team that's won a World Series since about 1991. I can listen. <laughs> I, I can go from the reigning, defending, greatest team to ever play the 2021 Atlanta Braves, and just dude, I can just list it down. I'm a freaking baseball nerd, but yeah, yeah you you uh, you said earlier you're not you don't really have a team, but you just kind of follow the game. Yeah, man, try to perfect the craft, you know. You can yeah. always learn something new. 
Yeah, absolutely, dude. Well, um, well, honestly, dude, I, I, that's about all the questions I had for you. Uh, if you have anything for me, Rob, feel free to fire away. Um, actually, we have just lost Rob. For some reason, the Zoom has gone out. Give me just a second. I'm going to try to get him back. All right, we got Rob back. All right, our, the Zoom just went crazy. I don't know. Technology happened sometimes, whatever. I'm not even going to edit that out. I just want, I'm going to leave it in just kind of let people know. Podcasting's crazy, dude. You never know what's going to happen. But we're about to wrap up anyways. Just, uh, Rob, just want to say thank you. Um, yeah, you're having a hell of a year, dude. Uh, what you're doing, and I know you're not going to stop and really think about it a whole lot. Um, just tell you, it's not who you are. You're, you're a team guy. You just want to keep doing it until you get that championship ring. And I'm, truly, I'm rooting for y'all. As soon as the, the, the conference tournament is over, I'm rooting for everybody, every Sun Conference team in a regional, dude. Um, unless you're playing Weber in, a nas- in the Nationals, I'm going to wish y'all the best of luck. But w- what you're doing this year is awesome. Um, I'm, the stats are the stats, dude. Uh, it, it's really special to have a guy like you in the Sun Conference, honestly. Um, just doing what you're doing at .56 ERA. Stop, I'm going to stop myself before I get into your stats too much. But uh, you're having a hell of a year. But, Rob, that's all, I, all the questions, everything I got for you. If you have anything for me, fire away. If not, we're all good, brother. No, man, that's it. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. I appreciate you coming on. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Suncast Podcast. Thank Mr. Rob Adams and Mr. Robin Fernandez of St. Thomas for coming on. And y'all have a good one. Love y'all. Be easy.